I was riding my trusty Yogg-Sothoth back to my seaside lair to prep my game when it threw a shoe. Since you can't just slap a new one on an Elder God, it took two months and multiple sacrifices and rituals. I'm finally back in front of my altar, and now I've only got 30 minutes to game. 30, 30 minutes, minutes till to game. game. Say your name. Me? You. Oh, I'm Reggie. And I'm Paul. And I'm Angel. And we're a couple of siblings who've been playing tabletop role-playing games since the early 90s. And that's you, Reggie. Oh, oh, see, I thought I was like inserted number three. Do we want to do this all over again so it's easier to edit? Sure. Just start. Just start with I'm name because yeah, I don't okay. think that you no, uh, you changed literally nothing about that intro. It was perfect. Yeah, okay, that was fantastic. All right. Um, I'm Reggie, and I'm Paul, and I'm Angel. We're a couple of siblings. Who, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. I'm Reggie. I'm Paul. And I'm Angel. We're a couple of siblings who've been playing tabletop role-playing games since the early 90s. And we'll be using our randomized tables to help you build a game in 30 minutes. Or, it's free. You may have noticed, we have a special guest with us today. This is Reggie. We've been uh, friends for a very long time. I don't remember how long. And is a fellow, very accomplished GM. Uh, Reggie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Reggie. Thanks, Reggie. You're welcome. Great talk! <laughs> uh, I think we've, I think we've so, known each other since at least 2005? Maybe 2006? Um, maybe uh, 2005 or 2006. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, right I think in there it sounds about right. That yeah. sounds about right. Um, no, so I've been a GM since I was a wee lad um, back in high school. Um literally playing uh D with some of the people who ended up to go on and craft um craft i shouldn't have used that word mm, sorry i didn't bring my thesaurus anyway uh back in the day in high school um played D with people who went on to uh, help build world of warcraft even so nice um, very nice yeah that's awesome so we played uh back in the day D. we had a homebrew uh dune campaign uh gurps tales of the floating vagabond uh, then on to Pathfinder, Shadowrun, Cyberpunk, um, and Dread. Those, I think that's pretty much Very my nice. collection of stuff that I like to GM. Don't you also have um, a couple of friends who built Pathfinder as well? Didn't I say Pathfinder? You said World of Warcraft. Oh, hell, oh, oh, friends who helped build Pathfinder. No, not necessarily really friends, but... Um, my job here in Atlanta is working in prepress and graphic production. And okay. back when uh, Pathfinder was first getting started, um, the crew that was starting that was here in Atlanta. And uh, some of the original illustrations um, were shot onto like, this is going way back, shot on like four by five and medium format transparency film. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. Uh, then I worked at the place that drum scanned the artwork and delivered the files to their, to them and their publisher to, uh, create the first rule books that's pretty cool that's fantastic awesome yeah. uh and reggie is here with us to celebrate our 10th episode Woo! it's a small milestone but we're happy about it uh now reggie i don't know that we've fully explained our uh you're you're an avid listener of the podcast but um you know a little bit about our randomized chart that we use right i do okay so i'm gonna go ahead and uh, i guess i'll roll us in Oh, before that, who are we rolling today? We are, so in honor of Reggie coming, I'm wearing, rolling some Kraken dice today. Nice. Um, and I'm using their Solstice set, which is probably one of my favorite sets that I have from them. Ooh. 
So let's see. Number 17. Oh, we've already done that. So we won't be repeating that until we've done one of each of these full sets. Uh, that would have been Space Fair, but let's see what it is instead. Number seven, Victorian. How do you feel about Victorian, Reggie? Um, so, but that's going to be different than Steampunk. They overlap a little bit, but... Yeah, it's uh, a Venn diagram. It's it's under our historical subcategory, but we've definitely done uh, some of these where it overlapped with other stuff. I'm definitely a fan of Victorian. Um, there have been several, like, pre-world of cyberpunk books that weren't quite really steampunk that i've enjoyed that took place during that uh, time period so nice. totally down for some victorian adventure all right so our population is going to be isolated interesting come on supernatural <laughs> or eldritch horror <laughs> oh so now i'm thinking lighthouse light oh no number two disease or corruption on a pathway there okay What's our challenge today? Number one, puzzles. Ooh, I've got ideas. Okay. I was going to say let's reroll that because we just mm -mm. did one that has mm -mm. puzzles, but no, let's mm -mm. stick with it. Let's, yeah, let you, uh, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. play in this little playground we've got, a little sandboxy. All right, what's our stick today? Uh, our stick is the man. Now, that is originally on here as considering the man like law or a a person in charge, not necessarily a BBG, but we could certainly take that in a different regard. Let's see what our carrot is. Number four, monetary. Money is good. Okay. Yeah. So money might be the reason you're in this isolated situation. It could be. Just as a, as a quick, just slapping these ideas together, I'm thinking that we have a an isolated religious sect or something along those lines, some okay. sort of clergy that is keeping a small portion of the population ill Ooh. and reaping in uh, either taxes or tithes or they're charging a fee to treat these people. And now we're having to try and figure out where... While these people are still getting sick, if they're being treated, because no one ever seems to get better. They, ne they never really die, but they just don't ever get better. And more and more people are starting to be brought into these cloisters and treated by this clergy. And it may just be that the clergy themselves are keeping them sick. They're spreading the, the disease somehow. But again, that's just me slapping those ideas together and just what it falls out right now. What was percolating for you, Reggie? So it's, it actually just tied in great because as soon as we said Victorian, I was thinking of um, a book that I read. I believe it's Neil Stevenson's book, The Difference Engine, uh, which takes place towards the end of uh, the Victorian age. And it centers around a puzzle device. Okay. Um, so what he used as a puzzle device in the book, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it for anybody, but hopefully I'm more intriguing you to get to your library or whatever way you choose to get your literature and grab a copy of it because it's just fantastic. Anyway, it includes a scenario where people are sending covert messages back and forth using the Jacquard loom. So the Jacquard loom was a loom that would create uh, tapestries, blankets, you know, whatever out of into fabric. But okay. the way you did it, you could do the same pattern over and over again. It was automated. It was clockwork. And it used the first punch cards. Oh, all right. That's really cool. So the person on the other end had a way of 
taking the tapestry and reversing it back into a punch card so they could receive the tapestry that was made by the punch card system, take it back and make it a punch card again, and then take that punch card to operate a kenotype device. So the original big board displays that were happening at the time were another clockwork convention, the kenotype. And this is where the term bit comes from. So every little cube on the kino device had like, say for instance, it's a cube on a spindle, if you can imagine. So it can rotate yeah. and show four faces. So you could have a black face, a white face, a red face, a blue face, right? Okay. And the punch card would rotate each cube in the array to display an image or oh. a message. So each one was a bit because it was able to, you know. Yeah. I think, that, I think I th- actually, I'm not, maybe I'm speaking out of my butt. Okay? <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's where a bit came from. But bits have eight options and i don't know how the kenotype would rotate a cube into all eight sides i think hmm. it was four anyway well cubes have six sides so maybe it's not quite six where it right came from but yeah it, it <laughs> able eight, like an octagonal spindle as well yeah definitely that's definitely what it was anyway the so the device would still they would the idea right. is you would have a punch card machine that made the blanket or the tapestry. You would send that to the person you were trying to send a secret message to. They would reverse engineer it to a punch card and throw it into another device and be able to read the message. That's so maybe cool. these people are getting sick and there's somebody on the inside who knows about it and they're trying to get a message out. Um, but they know if they're discovered that bad things will happen to them. So maybe in the hospitals where the people are being taken care of, somebody might notice that all the quilts that are on top of their beds are all different. Okay. That's like, definitely why, something. Why do these people all, all have all these uh, fancy blankets? To that certain end, maybe it is uh, something along the lines of if you work in the factories, you get the medicine. But the factories are keeping them sick. Keeping them just sick enough that they have to work in the factories to get the medicine. Those kind of working conditions definitely lean into the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Do you want everything was pretty bad then for a worker? It you was. want to make a big social statement out of it? Well, you can, our, even, you can even be a bit more on the nose, and instead of them, instead of keeping them sick, just things are around in the age that makes everybody sick, and the only way they can take care of themselves without going directly into poverty is by using the company basically provides health care. So if you leave the company, then yep. you're going <laughs> to not be, be able to take care of yourself. I don't know any I mean, society I don't know what you're that talking about. Like Nobody that. could relate to that nowadays. No, no, that's a no, ridiculous idea. This is completely outlandish. I don't know what society would have medicines that cost thousands of dollars if you don't have corporate health care. So weird. Yeah, who would like, do who that would to do people? That? You'd have insane. to go. Yeah, you'd have to go back to some ancient time like the Victorian period to find that. I'm so glad we've evolved past that. Right. <laughs> Where's my Star Trek future socialism? Anyways. I know. <laughs> and that that itself does really lean into the concept of our challenge being the man because uh-huh. if we're looking at a corporate entity that is utilizing its power to maintain control by keeping its workers ill and then them being the ones being providing the the antidote or the medication that's right. required to be able to survive in these conditions well people were using a lot of dyes and stuff that we found out now of course is terrible um, I want to oh, yeah. say arsenic green, ars- yeah, arsenic green, cadmium yellow, cadmium yellow, um, lead in the makeup to make you look lead pale. in everything, lead in everything, literally, uh, the mercury tablets 
that you took mm-hmm. for pretty much Ooh. everything. Mercury tablets. I hadn't heard oh, about that. Oh, yes. Yes. So basically, there were these little blue pills that people would sell and would say, oh, well, they, they cure what ails you. It was snake oil, obviously. But they contained a lot of mercury. That was like the main ingredient was mercury. Yikes. Yeah, big yikes. That's no bueno. So even the medicine would be making you sick. So there, I think we have our hook there. Um, Victorian era was also when one of my personal special interests, the language of flowers, was popular. Don't know how familiar are either of you with that? Not at all. Do tell. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. So basically, every flower has a meaning in, in this secret language. So you would build a bouquet for someone or leave flowers for them or send them flowers and each flower had a meaning. So for instance, uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, marigolds, not just because they're beautiful and they also um, prevent insects from attacking your garden. They they mean grief or mourning. Hmm. So I like to have a, a picture of marigolds on the opening page of Roll20 for my players <laughs> Pretty much every session, I'm like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Nobody has gotten it yet, but I guess the cat's out of the bag because I know several of my players that listen to the podcast. So, whoops. You're welcome, guys. Whoopsie. If you see flowers on the screen, figure out what they are. And that'll give you a hint of what what the session will hold. It's only um, but yeah, each flower had a meaning. So sometimes you would send someone a bouquet and it would mean fuck you. A little more eloquently. <laughs> Go fornicate yourself. Yeah. There were flowers that if you put them together were like... I'm so sorry, you know, I will never look at another person again. Another one that I've recently looked up apparently is green carnations, which was for, not not carnations, uh, green chrysanthemums, which was for homosexuality. So if you had, I guess, someone of the same sex that you you like, you would send them, you know, that plus whatever flower means, hey, do you want a date? So were these the original emoji? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I guess actually that would be hieroglyphics, but this this would be another generation of emoji. So yeah, so that's definitely something that if you want to incorporate it in as a puzzle for your players. Now, I don't know that you would force them to learn all of the flowers, but you could you could certainly give them like a handbook of a few simple flowers, either as a handout at the table, as a theater of the mind handout that gives them advantage on rolls, or as a, as a, uh, goodness. Like a cipher? Like a cipher on roll 20, yeah. Like just an image, like a field guide. And so what's what's going to be our our hook for this that's making sure that our players are engaged in this little isolated factory town? Are they dying or do they know somebody who's dying? I would almost say let's make them healthcare workers who've had enough. A bit of quick errata to the book I was mentioning, Difference Engine, is by William Gibson and Bruce Sterling, not Neil Stevenson. So that was my I think that's my first live cyberpunk pop culture reference error the egg is on my face not if we edit it out there isn't Eh, that's too much work okay fair anyway back to the plot we were looking for a hook we're looking for a hook so oh can we make it literal somehow a literal hook (laughs) a literal hook oh how are we gonna put a literal hook in i mean like you know we've been at well i mean just in some way shape or form just make it way too literal you know i love stuff like that like um so uh you and i were in a a a tabletop game of uh i think it was fantasy flights uh star wars where we uh we had a plot that was going to revolve around a ship and we had the opportunity to name said ship oh right and it was the MacGuffin. 
the MacGuffin. Yes. We named but it, it was the a MacGuffin. yellow ship, so yeah. we named it the Banana MacGuffin. The Banana MacGuffin. <laughs> puns on puns. Never enough. I wanted to name it the Banana Nut MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be really, really good. Speaking of ships, I was actually thinking that could be part of our hook. So this isolated factory town could be something that our players have to go through on their way to something else. So this could okay. be something that you've already got. Oh. Where you have your characters like, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're heading off to go do. Okay. But as you're getting there, this is an interstitial situation where you are now going to this, like you have had to sail off to an archipelago or to some peninsula off somewhere. And then you have to travel through this town. And as you're going through, you're noticing everybody here is really sick what if you are delivering a shipment of tapestries or blankets? That is a potential idea. That you're you're acting as or like a guard or liaison to the trader vessel, right? And they're coming over. Uh, they're coming to pick up a shipment while delivering supplies to this isolated area. And yeah. as you get off of the ship, you're exploring the town. You start to see, like I said, all the citizenry. Everyone looks terrible. Everyone's sallow. The so now, are we going for more of just a straight disease, or do we want to go with the more corruption aspect of this to I kind of lean, like lean into the sort of malleable nature that comes along with tabletop role playing, where then we can pull in that there's some sort of because I do I do really love my eldritch yeah uh, Victorian I do love eldritch Victorian we so. could have some kind of um, demon or spirit of corruption that requires that the citizens of the area be Ooh. sick. The more they're sick, the more it gives strength and energy to this eldritch uh, creature. Yep. And the person running the factory worships said eldritch creature. Of course. And is its keeper. That's and of course, keeper, it's yeah. underground near a sea because this is how we do things with of eldritch. Uh oh. Idea. So I follow a creator that does haunted hydrology for October, and she just recently covered a island in, I want to say it was Lake Superior. And I mean, this island is like the size of my first apartment. It's tiny, like a tiny little sandy island in the middle of Lake Superior that has a silver mine on it. Okay. So I know we love our mining episodes, but that's definitely a possible hook of why these people are in this isolated location and also an explanation of why they stay sick or a quote-unquote explanation but the money is so good that they just stay there we can't have another eldritch creature at the bottom of a mine so what can we change the mine into so it's not another creature controlling people in a mine again yeah that's true that's true that's true yeah i mean it can be anything we want but it can can. is it a Okay, so back to the factory. Is the factory producing? I like producing, the factory idea. And back to Mercury. Yeah. So is the, our, um, oh, or how about, what was it they were using to make glowing watch faces and glowing items? Was that plutonium? Oh, uranium. 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 So it could be yeah. a factory that's making some sort of thing with glowing elements and they're using uranium? Yes, that sounds great. It could be. And perhaps the eldritch creature is instructing its master owner who owns the company to use the uranium. Like it, it can, yes. maybe it's even bringing the uranium to its master. Yes. I like that. I like that. And we still, we can still use that idea of an island in the middle of a lake with the, like a mine or an underground cave system. But the people in the factory don't know about the underground cave system. That's just right. where the uranium is coming from. And that's where the creature lives. So 
are our characters are they starting off on the island or off of the island i think they're starting off off of the island i like the idea of having them transport some kind of coded material maybe they don't know what it is right away personally i like the idea of not necessarily forcing but gently encouraging your players to roll up either either a martial class or a healer class so you have your people who are on the boat because they're coming to heal the sick and mm-hmm. you have your people who are on the boat who are coming as guards of security and this is a zero magic world i think that we're going zero magic or low magic something that you know maybe call of cthulhu mm-hmm. mythos like would fit in well with or right where you have some some high strangeness but you don't have someone right. outside just casting spells exactly yeah. you can have gadgetry and gizmos but not yeah no wands so in that case can, can it be hook island Hook Island. It could be Hook Island. It could absolutely be Hook Island. Groovy. So named because it's in the shape of a hook. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why else no would you name reason. it Hook? Now, for the puzzle aspects, I do really, really like the idea of either a flower or a tapestry cipher. Yes. So someone is sending out coded messages describing, I probably said that they're, that they're describing them bringing up these islands because it doesn't have to be specifically uranium but it could be something very similar where it is does have a radioactive property so the longer these people are staying around it the more that they are becoming sick i mean they're getting lesions they are having like massive burns or hair falling out hair falling out skin flaking off sort of situation yeah we can have some sort of message in there about some of the miners coming up half melted because they they tapped into like some sort of major vein of this uh of this element that the creature is is either showing them how to get or guiding them to or or I maybe just telling them to go get because it, it, it wants it, it eats it. That's its power sort. I don't know. Uh, so I thought we've got we were some problems. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say we've got a few issues. So we wanna have a cipher mechanic in there. Right. But who is sending it and why? Ooh, good question. We've got to have somebody in the factory that is clued into what's going on but in such a position where they cannot act alone right so yeah that's if that's if the cryptic messages are of a positive and beneficial nature so they could be they could be a positive of somebody trying to help the people right could be somebody trying to spread the evil off island okay either way it it doesn't matter either way but we just have to kind of make a decision which one it's going to be how do the characters find out there's a problem on this island why are they going to the island when they get there what is it that they discover and intercept that leads them to a confrontation i hmm what if we have because i was thinking that the way that we would bring our characters into this as an actual conflict would be them just noticing that everyone around this area is sick and you see again like small children elderly women such like that with these horrible lesions on their bodies, but everyone's wearing these beautiful, like luminescent jewels and things like that. But, and then as if they make note of it, they start talking with somebody like we could have someone approach them and provide them like with the cipher or, because I think that this would be someone who is trying to bring this down because we, uh, we are in conflict with the man. Right. We've got to be trying to bring it down. Right. But are we trying to bring it down from the inside or from the outside? Because we can see that the foreman uh, starts loading on, they can start loading on like barrels or something. Go ahead, go ahead. You got an idea? So our characters are a group of mercenaries and somebody approaches them and says, I was going to fence some expensive jewelry from this uh, factory. 
I had a contact slip in and they were going to provide me details on when the shipment was coming to the mainland and I was going to um, heist it and fence the goods. However, something has happened. I started getting um, strange messages back from my person who was sending okay. these messages back to me via a cipher of some kind. Okay. Um, they started becoming incoherent and not making any sense. And then I lost all contact with them. I need a group to go to the island and investigate what's going on. But you have to go in undercover so that they don't suspect. Because if you blow the cover of this person, right, then it's useless because they can't get their jewelry anymore. So there's your monetary reward too. Yep. And gotcha. with a with a very slight search, the crew finds out that lo and behold, man, this factory's got some sort of employee situation. They're really hiring. Yep. Because their okay. employees are dying. Because the employees are dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fred melted over on floor B. Oh, yeah, I'll get the mop, you know. So once uh, you know it happens. Once Sometimes they get people there, just melt. <laughs> I mean, right? You work too hard, you're just going to melt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very common knowledge. You, you can melt or you can just spontaneously catch fire. That's the only ways people die in the Victorian era. That and the consumption. <laughs> that and the consumption. So they can get there and if they investigate, they eventually find where this contact of his was living and they would find like a chest or something full of whatever crypto you want. I mean, it could be right. it could be logs, it could be looms, whatever way you want to work the puzzle. They find the puzzle and uh, included in it are all kinds of messages that never made it out that will reveal the plot of what's happening. So they'd be able to, if they use enough skill, put enough clues together, they're able to cobble together. Hey, the uh, the owner of this place has got some eldritch relationships and uh, the killing and poisoning of all these people is what is uh, empowering this creature beneath the island. Now, do we want to... So we've got a couple of, of good plot points here. Do we want to round this out with actually fighting the creature or just escaping the island? Um, I kind of I kind of have this weak spot for confronting players with something that they should either learn that they need to run away from or they die. Am I cruel? Um, I would love it if they faced the creature, but then it was like, no, this is so far above your pay grade. You better GTFO. Right. Like the, your best plan is to kill the creature by taking away its source of energy, which is getting everybody off the island. So the creature is trapped here. It can't leave. It doesn't have enough strength to leave. Like maybe it's in some sort of eldritch prison or something that somebody else put Ooh, okay. it in and it's having to gain its strength to get out. So to that end, since it's in the prison, the first person who found it is the person who founded this factory and has been granted pr protection from the corruption so that he can bring food to the creature. That sounds perfect. Yeah, why isn't he dying? Right. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> he's been here the longest, and he's been around all this uranium, and yet he's okay. Surely it's not the uranium that's killing people, because he's wearing so much uranium. Oh, yeah. Oh, his name is Yuri. Yuri? Yes. I love it. Yuri Uranium. Two Yuri on the nose. Is Yuri there such Anum. a thing? Is there such a thing as two on the nose? <laughs> Not I don't think well, so. I mean, for people I like me, so. maybe. If we're gonna stick with like a uranium element, I think we should go with something like a like a purple uranium. Uh, just something okay. something that sets it apart, so it's not just the the, the, the glowing green. radium green, yeah, um, or even a blue, because I mean 
nuclear fission does cause a, a blue uh, like spark of a blue light to uh, okay. exude. Any color you like. Yeah. Yeah. P- pick a color. Any color. That's fine. Don't worry about it. And I think one of the situations that the employees are running into is, uh, while I do become ill anytime they're working around this material, uh, and the company does, or the company can provide uh, medication that helps to counteract these this illness, the medicine is so cost prohibitive that the workers are basically indentured slaves. So, like, you're working, you have, you know, your free time, your hours, but... If you don't work enough, you don't make enough money to be able to buy, even buy your medicine, which means you have to, right, you won't be able to live because you're dying because you're still not working enough to get your medicine. I mean, we could bring in that element, but being that they're captive on an island, they could just not let them leave. Yeah. I mean, they could, yeah. Well, I mean, fine, if you want to be simple about it. The ticket to get off costs so much and you have to buy the medicine, so. And however much you have, well, the ticket's just a little bit more. You, you should probably go back and work for a little while longer. Oh, you have this much now? I'm sorry, the price went up. Yeah. Is that too evil? <laughs> no. no. No, that's capitalism. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. So, let's yes, it. that's too evil. Let's do it. No, that sounds perfect. <laughs> yep. Maybe Yuri's name is something else. Something that rhymes with lump. Mm. Oh, we'll stick with Yuri. We'll stick with Yuri. So for <laughs> some of our additional puzzles, we do want to have either the tapestry or the flower. And we could have like a flower tapestry yeah. as, or even um, as opposed to tapestries, it could be uh, flyers for the the factory's goods. Like flyers for this these new designs of the jewelry oh. and such like that that they're producing. And down in like the little corners, the borders have like the filigree and, and flowers around it. And as those flowers change... You could spot like, oh, well, this cluster here is, you know, a dandelion, a marigold and a orchid. I don't know what that would mean, but. Right. Give me a second. Maybe I can tell you. Yeah. But it would be somebody on the inside trying to send a message out. Help. We're being poisoned. Mm -hmm. So we have that as our as one of our puzzles. I think to be able to get. Oh, go ahead. Did you find out what it was? Nope. I got to look one more up. She's giggling. She's giggling. So dandelion means overcoming hardship. Marigold, as you know, means grief and grief and mourning. Uh, an orchid, depending on the color. Let's see. Uh, we have refined beauty. My thoughts will follow you into your dreams. Fire, romance, desire, and passion. In order for general white, red. Uh, orange means pride, enthusiasm, and boldness. Yellow means new beginnings, friendship, and joy. Uh, green means love, charm, beauty, fulfillment. Blue, rarity, uniqueness, beauty, and spirituality. So all of these are pretty positive. Yeah. But I we can think make some that you could maybe now. do orange for pride fri- pride and boldness. Maybe. But I mean, again, that was just, you know, yeah. I was just spitballing <laughs> with that one. But I'm glad that I got like kind of close to something. Yeah. Um, but you, you see how you put them together and all of a sudden they mean something? Yeah, that actually really is kind of interesting. I didn't know that that was one of your hobbies. It's not like a hobby hobby, but... One of your curiosities. One of my curiosities, I think, is the... Um, it's an eccentricity. An eccentricity. That sounds correct, yes. I think we do need to include a couple more puzzles in there. Maybe a Resident Evil-style key system where they have to find different uh, different tablets or something to be able to get down into the lower levels of the, uh, the factory. Or to shine light through the right, right kind of gem at the right time of day. Oh, yeah, like maybe a stained glass stained glass window that when you shine a light through it makes a pattern or a map that works or even one of these jewels or one of these uh, some of this jewelry is like an amulet that when you shine light through it there's a pattern on the inside that provides a map 
Ooh, I like that. And that could even be in the uh, like part of that cipher uh, could be a code for the safe inside the uh, the informant's room, and inside there you find the jewel or directions to the jewel that has the map to be able to get down to where the uh, the Eldritch Being is, or something along those lines. Because we're trying to bring them down, we need to have some sort of some sort of solid way that we can have a win scenario, even without defeating this monster. So our win scenarios would be either defeat the monster or escape with as many of the people as you can, removing its food source, basically. Yep. Or if you want to go real dark, like, kill him. And you could, you oh, could just God. burn the factory down. Well, but if you do that, he's going to get the life force from all of those people. So you're running a risk. True. I would say maybe, maybe not. Does he only get the life force if they die of sickness or does he get the life source mm. if they die anyways? Because there's got to be a reason why he's he's making, making them sick them instead sick. of just outright killing them. No, it, it's, yeah. it takes sickness. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's the suffering. Ooh, God, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, it's the suffering. The mm-hmm. su- they feed that's, that's why that's why most people don't die they just stay sick yeah oh, as long as possible mm-hmm. yeah mm. it's like like how um well again to touch on a modern subject the pandemic is going to become endemic when when covid no longer is killing people at a frequency at which it is yeah. because it's not beneficial for the disease to kill its host it's beneficial for the disease to keep the host sick as long as possible so it can spread to other people. But if it kills the person, it's not spreading. Right. Did you did you know that there's people that still don't realize that long COVID is a thing? I did not know that. Yeah, there's apparently like a whole subsection of people who are just like, oh, wait, long COVID is a thing? I'm still going to have to deal with this after I caught it? It's like, yeah, 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 you will. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Word to the wise, if you have your vaccine, your chances of getting long COVID are way less. So put a shot in your damn arm. Please, please, for all of our our sakes. But yeah, so our eldritch god here, he's basically a uh, a fantasy incarnation of disease. We could it's call a spiritual him lamprey. Yeah, just we could call him to Divok. Divok, is that COVID backwards? That's what I thought. <laughs> mm, I like it. Keep it <laughs> mm-hmm. timely. Ah, uh, oh, so if he's Divok. Is our uh, is our contact inside that they're you know who's now he's either suffering so badly he's just like mentally twisted and just yeah. halfway rotting on the floor, or he's dead. One of the two. And since yeah. we're going with suffering, let's just make him almost dead. Very nearly dead. Just alive enough to give one last cryptic. Could message. he be Fauci, or how do you spell Fauci backwards? <laughs> I don't know. Chowdoff. No. No, I think I think at this point, I think at this point, um, I think we're being a little reductive. No, um, I think, no. yeah, due to his uh, close proximity to right. not only these mines, this factory, but also this creature and what he's found, I think he's gone raving mad. Yeah, he's definitely sick, but he's like wasted away. Like you um, could be that your contact provided you with a, a, an old photograph of him and he looks, you know, you know, rather hale and healthy, kind of dapper looking guy. You know, Big old round like apple a, cheeks. I was thinking more like, um, uh, more like a sly character. Like you can see, he looks a little shifty, but he looks, you know, healthy. And then right. when you get to the island and you see him, he's wizened. He's like super thin. Uh, he's got little suffocating uh, sores on his body, and he's running around like throwing notes and and grabbing people by the lapels and yelling in their faces about, oh, it's it's eating us. It's it's eating our our, our suffering. 
and then like he collapses onto his bed and like is sobbing and that's when you he was like going through all of his notes and his ciphers and throwing them everywhere and that's when you can describe like oh you see like all of these these pages are, are thrown around with different different combinations of flowers on them in different colors and then we can we can start working forward from there and as he was raving about you know it's it's in the deep it's down below the the factory ah! which as a fun fact i looked it up uh anemone flower means sickness ah so you could do dandelion anemone and marigold or apparently aloe which also means grief huh yeah so (laughs) there you go guys a plant that soothes pain that's appropriate interesting anyway i do like that i think that's a solid build all right I think so. I think that's something that we could definitely play around with. While we are definitely planning on eventually developing a lot of these into full-blown modules where we have written out everything, right. statted out everything, and have it available for our for our supporters on Patreon, the way that we like to run these little episodes is we want to make sure there's still plenty of meat on the bone for our GMs to, to play with. Right. So I think that using this is kind of a, a nice little, I guess, structural outline for just a quick game you could build together. I think that's got some... It's got some I think we're good. There's some play in there. Thank you so much for joining us today, Reggie. Oh, thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah. um, I I don't know. Is there anything that you wanted to boost, to announce, to to plug? Wow. Anything that you're working on? It's funny that you should say that. There is something that I'm working on right now. As a matter of fact, um, one of you is even working on art for, uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, there should at least be one episode out of my podcast. So you can search for that. It's going to be called uh, Critters and Kaiju, where we explore the things that make you cringe and give you nightmares and keep you up at night. And uh, then we do a deep dive and look at the history or the origins of these these spooky things and uh, maybe even sometimes uh, get in touch with the people who originally created them and, and have little interviews about the the background and what inspired them. Oh, hell that yeah. I, awesome. Okay. All right. This may be this may be leading in too much, but are you getting... Are you talking to Trevor? Are we getting Trevor on there? Who's Trevor? Who's Trevor? <laughs> I should sounds like somebody I should know. You'll have to tell me more about Trevor later. Slimy ghost. Okay. All right. Yeah. I will have to tell you guys about Trevor. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming to hang out with us today. I uh, really appreciate you. And thanks for coming to celebrate our 10th episode. Woo! 10. Hook Island Treasure. Entry 1. I received a strange missive from my aunt this morning. The last we heard from her, she was left widowed and destitute in the wake of her husband's vessel sinking under the weight of a great storm that struck the coast some years ago, and she wrote to inform us she had taken a factory job. The messenger seemed odd. He kept his face hidden in a hooded cloak, but his hands were pale and clammy, leaving a dampness on the letter as he handed it over. He spoke not at all but breathed with the raspy drag that made me fear he was afflicted with consumption. Entry 2 The fog hangs low over the bay as I wait for the ship to dock for the paper to the island where my aunt has been working. Her letter to me made little sense at all, except one thing was clear. I was to come quickly and come alone. Surely she cannot have meant for myself, a lady of breeding, to travel unaccompanied. So I have my handmaid with me. I can see the ship coming to rest now and must board. I shall write more later. Entry 3 My dear aunt is in a bad way. I will be staying with her for the week to nurse her back to health. 
The things she says sound like madness. Voices in the deep mines. This place is an island. There cannot possibly be a mine of any stability in this soft, shifting sand. She looks as if she may pass away at any moment. She is so pale and slight. I will write the foreman to see if she can receive time away from work to coalesce in the mountains where the air is cleaner. I shall write again later. Everything has gone awry, and I am doomed. I woke this morning to find my aunt missing from her rooms, as well as my handmaiden, all my luggage and clothing, and worst of all, my ticket for the boat leaving this afternoon. I tried to explain the situation, but they laughed at me. Laughed! And told me to get back to work. Some very rough men escorted me to the jewelry factory and expected me to get started working without so much as a single instruction. I tried to convince them that I did not belong here and had been tricked into staying. Then he slapped me. I have been afraid to speak up since and tried to look busy at my station until the bell rang, though I do not know what I am doing. Worst of all, this evening I seem to be developing a cough. I fear the worst. I do not wish to end up like the people here, sallow and thin, with a hopeless look in their eyes. If you receive this missive, please send help. I do not know how long I will last. Thanks for rolling along with us. We hope you've been inspired, or at least entertained. You can find us on Twitter at 30minutes2game. That's 30minutes2game. Send us questions or ideas at 30minutes2game at gmail.com. Or help find our quest at patreon.com slash 30minutes2game. Our intro music is by It's Water, and our outro music is by Lee Diamond. And never forget, just because it's not a chest, that doesn't mean it's not a mimic. Take care until next time, true believers. Anything important? No. No, we're just talking shit about you. Uh, Again. My insecurities were right all along.